What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods coming back at you with another episode today. It continues our Big Ten and 31 Days segment. We're finally at Minnesota. This is one of the ones I have been looking forward to for some time. And we are joined by Justin Gard, who is the sideline reporter for Minnesota football and KF, K, K-Fan radio producer and broadcaster. So I just want to say I appreciate you joining me today. I appreciate you having me, Zach. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. But, you know, I feel like we have to start with last season. I mean, it was a COVID-riddled year, a lot of uncertainty. The Golden Gophers finished 3-4, and four, but there were some close games there that could have went either way. Did this season fall short of, exceed, or meet your preseason expectations? Um, I don't know if I really had any expectations, just because everything was so weird. Um, COVID was strange. No fans were strange. Opt-outs were strange. Injuries were strange. Um, I would say in a couple of fronts, I'd say the offense met the expectations. I'd say the defense probably, um, fell short of the expectations, but they were also replacing so many guys from a year ago. It was just a weird year, you know, um, even in, I'm sure other guests have told you that as well. Um, wins didn't really feel like wins cause nobody was there. Losses really didn't feel like losses. Um, obviously you would have liked to have played better against Iowa. You would have liked to have beaten Wisconsin in the last game of the year. It was right there for the taking, I thought, but I'd say it was, it was about what I expected. I thought the offense would be pretty good, which it was. I thought the defense would take a step back from 2019, which it did. And now we're kind of looking forward to 2021 and hopefully everything is more closer to normal than it was. Right. Um, It's looking like it. I know a lot of teams are expecting full fans. We'll see if that works out or not, but August 11th, you bring up the decision by Kevin Warren, Big Ten Commissioner, postpone the season until spring. It was less than a week after he releases an all-conference schedule. We have some hope. Knocks that out real quickly. He received a lot of criticism for this decision. Was Minnesota one of the schools that was behind the scenes fighting? I know Nebraska was very public with their fighting. And what was your initial reaction to Warren's decision? I was surprised um, because – it's, it seemed really abrupt, and I know the reasons why they did it. You know, they were they were very concerned, like a lot of uh, conferences were, with the myocarditis part of COVID, and they just they got spooked by that for sure, which for good reason. You know, I mean, that's a scary thing when you start talking about the heart. Um, to answer your question, Minnesota, I don't think, did much behind the scenes at all. Um, PJ, and I know we'll talk a lot about PJ, his mantra is basically we get the information, we process it, and we move on accordingly. We don't spend time worrying about it. We don't spend time complaining about it. Um, I said this a lot last fall because I got this question a lot. Like, what did PJ think? I don't think PJ had an opinion. It was, if they tell us to play, we're going to play. If they tell us we're not going to play, we're not going to play. But whatever it is, we're going to make the best of that situation. So they were obviously excited to play and happy to play. Everybody wanted to play. But I do know that a lot of the players, and I even heard from parents, you know, when they started to go back, were worried about, do they have everything figured out? Do they Are they going to keep us safe? How is the testing going to look? So um, they, they were not loud about it. And Mark Coyle's not a loud AD. PJ's loud, obviously, and energetic, but he's not one to um, complain or you know go against authority or anything like that. It was, if we play, we're going to do the best that we can. We're going to put our best foot forward. If we don't, we'll do whatever we need to do there, whether it's recruiting or practice or whatever, we'll do it and we'll just move forward. So they certainly weren't like, you know, Ohio state and Nebraska and even Iowa to some degree. Um, They were very much just, we'll do whatever we're told to do and try to make the best of it. 
Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing I've seen. I mean, Nebraska and everyone was real vocal. I mean, there was rumors about them leaving the Big Ten, which probably was a step further than what actually was ever going to happen. And then there were some other schools where I know I, f- I forget the school, but the, their AD is one of the medical heads for the Big Ten. So they couldn't come out and fight against the decision. But yeah. You know, more on the field stuff. That's what our listeners love to hear. I love Tanner Morgan as a quarterback. He exploded onto the scene. You see the jerseys in the background. I still have nightmares about him and Tyler Johnson tearing up my Auburn Tigers. But he set multiple school records in 2019, but he received a lot of criticism this year for some inconsistencies that we saw. What like what are your thoughts on Tanner Morgan as a quarterback? And what have you what are your expectations moving forward? Like he's the best quarterback the Gophers have had in probably two decades. Um, you know, maybe at, you know Adam Weber is another guy who 10, 15 years ago played here, set all the records. Tanner's going to break most of those because he's going to. You know, Weber was basically a four-year starter. Um, Tanner's great. You know, is he the flashiest quarterback? Is he the biggest quarterback? Is he the fastest quarterback? No, but he's smart. He's accurate. And even when he got to play a couple of years ago, Zach, when you know the, the original starter got hurt they basically just handed the ball off to all their running backs and played really good defense. But even then, like I went back and watched some games during the pandemic. Cause why wouldn't we, you know, there's nothing to do right. uh, from his red shirt freshman year. And you could see his accuracy there and you could see that there was something to, to build off of there. So he's a tremendous leader. The guys rally behind him. He was obviously spectacular two years ago, second team, all big 10. I think what hurt Tanner last year was a couple of things. First of all, Tyler Johnson, you know, is in the NFL. Uh, Rashad Bateman is there for a little while, and then he opts back out towards the end once the Gophers had their COVID pause. Two offensive linemen that were supposed to start, one opted out because of COVID, another got hurt um, and missed the entire season. New offensive coordinator, uh, which I don't think they were always on the same page. The system was a little bit different than what Tanner had gotten used to. He completely understood what the old system was. Um, under Kirk Shiraka, who went to Penn State. He knew that thing front and back. He was in tandem with Kirk every step of the way. So I just think last year there were some growing pains there that they weren't quite on the same page all the time. And he was dealing with all those things, you know, that I mentioned. He he was not the same guy. I expect him to bounce back, you know, for, for all the stuff that PJ says about resiliency and rowing the boat and b- bouncing back and moving forward. Everybody calls Tanner mini PJ because that's literally how he lives his life. I mean, he is like a PJ Fleck robot um, regurgitating everything that PJ has said. So I'm a big Tanner fan. Um, this Just his story in general about how he got here, you know, committing the, the same day that PJ got the job. He was supposed to go to Western Michigan, and PJ got the job here and called him and said, we'd like you to come, and he just came. Never saw the place. He was a day away from having a graduation party where all the um, cookies were W's for Western Michigan. They just flipped them over and made them M's, and he just came. Like, he is all in, um, and he's had a great career. I mean, you know, people you know, talk about, you know, the, the defense a few years ago, um, which was tremendous. There's four or five guys in the NFL off that. But what that offense did, I've never seen in Minnesota with the way they started throwing the ball. And, and you saw it firsthand in that Outback Bowl. You know, just, uh, you know, that that was a perfect gopher football game that day in Tampa with how they ran the ball well, but also Tanner just, you know, finding one of those two guys, whether it was Bateman or Tyler Johnson, who had a huge day. Yeah, you guys are responsible for probably the most critical episode I've ever had about Auburn football on here. I was pissed off. I was very upset that day. But, you know, I wanted, you know, the NFL draft's coming up. You mentioned Tyler Johnson, a Super Bowl champion now. He made a huge catch in the NFC Championship game to keep yeah. Bra- the Brady and the Bucks going. 
what is what does Rashad Bateman bring to the NFL? And in, in terms of the wide receiver rankings, there's a lot of debate this year about where these wide receivers rank. Where do you think Bateman should go, and what will he bring to an NFL team? Well, he can do pretty much anything. That's the cool thing about Rashad. And what I think made those two difficult, Tyler and Rashad, is they 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 were interchangeable. They could play the slot. They could go outside. I mean, the the touchdown. You know the the deep touchdown that Tyler caught against Auburn. Rashad's caught that same route, you know, a number of times as well. So he's fast, he's quick, he catches everything that's close to him. Um, I'm assuming, you know, he's been working out. He's going to be stronger. You know, he came in and played right away as a true freshman um, out of Georgia, and so you know, obviously size is going to be the biggest you know detriment there. But he he's terrific. I mean, he's. He's like I said, I mean, he's got everything you would want in an NFL wide receiver. I know this year, like last year, is a really good NFL wide receiver draft. I mean, Tyler's a fifth round pick a year ago, and he's, you know, with, you know, he's making huge plays for Tom Brady. Obviously, he's not a featured guy because of what they have there in Tampa, but the fact that Tom Brady is trusting a fifth round rookie in major situations, I think, speaks to the depth of the, the wide receiver draft. And they say that this one might even be a little bit deeper. So, I would expect, you know, Rashad's going to test well. I think he ran a four three seven forty here within the last couple of weeks. That was a, you know, uh, something that people wanted to see. I would, say, you know, I don't know. He's probably what second, third, fourth, depending on who you ask. Maybe first, depending on who you ask in terms of wide receivers. So he's going to be a first or second round pick, and that he's a guy who I remember when he signed with the Gophers, you know, every signing day coaches tell you it's the greatest class ever. Right. And they tell you who they like and who they don't like. And I just remember PJ saying like, this is the guy, this is the guy from this class. And he was absolutely right. He was spectacular. Right. I mean, this and Rashad Bateman's the talent that usually would probably be a top two. This is a weird class with two Bolitnikoff winners in it and yeah. a Heisman winner. So it's just a really tough class to come out in. But yeah, like I forgot about the Alabama guys, right? I mean, you've got yeah. one who gets hurt that's probably going to be a first round pick, and then you've got the Heisman winner. You're 100% right. So <laughs> Rashad's right there in that mix with those guys. You know, I would, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, maybe, it, maybe a notch below, but he's going to be one heck of an NFL player. He absolutely is. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, we got to talk about P.J. Fleck. Just personally, I've been the biggest P.J. Fleck fan. We had a fantasy draft of coaches we would take, and I believe he was, like, taken in the second or third round. He was one of the first coaches after that Saban, Dabo type round that we had. Yeah. He's made me a Minnesota believer. He's coming into his fifth season. I believe that fans and experts are expecting expecting a Big Ten title run. you got Tanner Morgan coming back. You have a lot of talent. What makes him such a cult, like excellent culture builder? We've heard the road the boat. We saw what he did at Western Michigan. We saw what he did here. And what makes him a perfect fit for Minnesota? Well, what makes him a perfect fit here is that he's different. And Minnesota is not a traditional football power. They're not, it's not a traditional college town. Um, so you have to be different to cut through here. This is a big, you know, it's a bigger city. They're, they're, every professional sports franchise that you could want. You have. You've got NBA. You've got NHL. You've got WNBA. You've got you know, Vikings, which is huge, obviously, up here. You've got pro soccer. Um, you have everything. So to cut through and really establish yourself, you have to be different, and that's what PJ is. His energy is his energy. Whatever you see on TV or radio or wherever, people that are listening, you'll see him. That is, I get this question all the time. Is he really like that all the time? He is like that all the time, <laughs> all the time, behind the scenes, um, behind closed doors, every day. You know, the practices are energetic. He's, you know, always yelling, always screaming. He's very positive. Um, 
And that's just what, that's what I think, you know, and he gets everybody going the same way. They're all, they're all, they're all going in the same direction. You know, you're either in or you're out. You can't be halfway. You can't yeah. half step. You can't just kind of skate by, you know, how they do things. Um, you have to be all in. That's, I mentioned Tanner, you know, he knows every single phrase that PJ's ever said. He uses them in his everyday language. Other players do that as well. And now all the guys that are here mostly are PJ Fleck guys. So they knew that going in, they were recruited by him in high school, or if they transferred, you know, from another school, like they're all in, they all know. Um, so that's what he's, he's a fun guy to be around. It's a fun program to be around because it's super positive. It's super fun, but it's super organized too. You know, I think it, it's very, you know, well coached. I think people forget behind all the, the crap, if you want to use that, because or all the extra stuff that they're never, they're very, you know, they, they don't commit very many penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They don't make many mistakes. Like it is a well-oiled machine. So like for all the flash and all that stuff, there's a lot of substance underneath it as well. And that's why they were able to have success. Right. I mean, they have videos leak all the time of just his uh, speeches to the team after and before games. And it, I mean, you don't even have to be a Minnesota fan and you're ready to run through a wall for the guy. And you're like, I've never met him. I don't even root for this team. What is yeah. going on? Yeah. Yeah. To have a coach like that's huge, and you're seeing it on the recruiting trail too. The 2021 cycle just wrapped up, back to back top 40 classes, loaded with a bunch of talented guys. What were the biggest positional needs, in your opinion, and who are you most excited to see suit up for the Golden Gophers? Well, I'm always excited to see what what receivers that they bring in um, because that is PJ's bread and butter. You know, he was an NFL wide receiver. He's got uh, his wide receivers coach Matt Simon. Um, you know, likes to develop guys, you know, because they put Corey Davis into the NFL from Western Michigan. Obviously, they did great work with Tyler. Tyler was was a good player when when he first got here. You know, he didn't really play much football in high school, so he was very raw in terms of a receiver and really developed, really, really developed Rashad the same way. So I'm always looking, you know, at that side of the ball, but truthfully, defensively is where we need to see some replenishment because a lot of the guys – you know, that you heard about two years ago, that they were from the previous staff. They were all upper class when they were replacing basically seven players last year that started on that defense. Um, so I know they got some great secondary guys, Steven Ortiz from Arizona, as I know one that was, was really highly thought of the people that follow recruiting more closely than me said that was a really good one. So I think, you know, they have, they have found here the last couple of years, some defensive reinforcements when they first got here, offense was what they needed to address. And that those first couple of classes, that's where Tanner Morgan shows up. That's where Rashad Bateman shows up. That's where Mo Ibrahim shows up. Chris Ottman Bell. That's where they show up. I know that the subsequent classes after that, because of everybody that was supposed they're going to be leaving, was going to be defense. So we're we're waiting to see who that next group defensively is because you know two, three, four years ago, that's where they put a lot of emphasis. Right. I mean, it has to help recruiting too. seeing Minnesota players be so successful in the NFL. I mean, we mentioned Tyler Johnson, but the biggest one has to be Anton Winfield Jr., who shut down was one of the main factors in shutting down like Tyreek Hill and stuff in the in the Super Bowl. We saw the, you know, viral video of him giving Tyreek the peace sign. I mean, he's he's an exciting guy. But shifting to next year, I mean, We've seen all these players break out. Mo Mo Ibrahim this year really broke out for me. He put on an absolute clinic this year running the ball. Who are your potential breakout players that could really shine next season? Oh, man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. And here's the problem. I, 
you know, I used to be able to go to practice, you know, like oh, even, yeah. even last year, like people are like, well, who looks good? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody <laughs> since Raymond James stadium, January 1st, 2021. Right. Um, you know, Mo obviously, you know, has had a great career. He got, he was, he was behind some, some running backs, you know, Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks who were here for a long time. And last year he just took the ball and ran with it. Uh, a guy who played a little bit last year, who, it's disappointing he got hurt. I think it was the Illinois game he got hurt is Trey Potts, who's from Pennsylvania. He's the, a backup running back. And, you know, Mo is a really smart runner. He's small. He fits perfectly behind these big offensive linemen. He reads everything beautifully. Uh, but he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't have breakaway speed. You know, uh, if you ever play Mario Kart, that's my generation, Zach. Mario Kart, <laughs> you know, you get the, you know, the Mario and Luigi's are fast. Then you get, like, the Bowsers who are, who are just bruising and slow. That's Mo. Like he's not going to, he's not going to outrun anybody, but he's going to be physical. He's going to get through the hole. He's going to know the right hole. He's going to be smart. He's going to be patient. Trey Potts, I think is a guy who's got everything as a running back. And he was a freshman a year ago, uh, ended up getting hurt, hurt his foot, missed the rest of the season. He was kind of that change up. He was really starting to develop. Well, um, Cam Wiley's another running back who got to play a lot because Trey got hurt. He was a little slower to go. Uh, but I think started to make some improvements towards the end of the season. Um, ended up scoring some touchdowns. They, they ran them on some wheel routes and stuff. But you know, that's that's where I would look offensively and and truthfully defensively. I'm interested in the guys that they they brought in from the transfer portal. I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but I know they brought in a guy from Clemson. You know yep. that's that's going to play a big role and. You know that's where they they need more people. That's where they need more guys is up front defensively. I think linebacker they're okay. They've got some younger guys like Mariano Sori Marin um, and some others that got to play a little bit last year. Secondary wise, I think they're okay. Coney uh, Durr's coming back. He's been here for a long time. I think he'll be an NFL player when it's all said and done. But you know, offensively or excuse me, defensively up front. They had to play a lot of young guys last year. I think that's why you saw them go into the portal a little bit to get some reinforcements there. So I'm looking forward to see how those groups mesh because they, they need more numbers. They they had they have some good talent there. Uh, D'Angelo Carter is a name that comes to mind who played a lot last year. I expect a big jump from him, but, and they went out to the portal and got more guys. Yeah, the, the defensive tackle for Clemson was huge. He was supposed to be a big factor for Clemson, but then – you know, they brought in like a six six mountain of Brian Barisi that ended up taking out taking out that spot. But I'm looking at the schedule, man. I'm just gonna apologize ahead of time. It is brutal. I mean, to open up with Ohio State, to still have road games against Colorado, Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana, who have all been good recently. This schedule is not gonna be easy to make a run next year, but Minnesota's talented enough to do it. What do you think, way too early prediction here, what do you think the ceiling and or floor could be for this 2021 team? Yeah, when I look at the West, I mean, I think the way that the West shakes out historically and right now, and it'd be foolish to sleep on Northwestern again, you know, because yeah. they've, they've just, they've done it now two out of the last three years. They, you know, people forget about them, but they're right there. But the reason they forget about them is because Wisconsin's there. And obviously Iowa's there. Iowa's had a really good five-year run again, you know, maybe even six-year run. Um, after they did a little dip under Ferentz for a minute, they're right back, you know. And, and you mentioned the recruiting yeah. uh, piece earlier, Zach. You know, the Gophers have recruited better than they ever have. So is almost everybody in the West. I think that's yeah. that's the story from the last handful of years, and that's why PJ I think was necessary to hire because Wisconsin's recruiting hasn't slowed down. Iowa's recruiting hasn't slowed down. Um, there's been you know so much momentum in the West, and I, I remember vividly, you know, PJ 
two years ago um, in Chicago, Big Ten Media Day, the last year that we had one, people were asking him about realignment and are they going to mess some things up? Because everybody thinks Big Ten, they think the East, right? They think Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, <laughs> with good reason. And PJ said, I get why people are talking about it, but let's. I think the West has got some things going here. And that, that very season, three teams in the West, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, all finished in the top 15. So yeah. the, the West has gotten a lot better. Um, so the, the floor and the ceiling, I think I think everybody's just kind of in that mix. I would put Wisconsin, Iowa, and, and you have to because you got to respect them, Northwestern, um, in that first, you know, they're probably the favorites. I'm guessing people are going to pick Wisconsin this year, if I had to guess, uh, to win the West. Minnesota is right there, a little bit below them probably in preseason. But I know they're excited about this year. I know this coaching staff has looked at 2021 when they got, you know, their four recruiting classes and everything and guys grew up in the program. They're they're really looking forward to it. Um, but you're right, the schedule, I mean, right out of the gate, you got the Buckeyes, right? And that's you know, just, Justin Fields not there anymore, but I'm guessing they have a guy. You know, I'm guessing mm-hmm. they've got I'm guessing they've got some people. Um, so but that's the fun part, you know, that's the fun part about it is you know, there's so many good games on the schedule. And there's so many ways to, to test your team and test your program and see if you're up for it. And a lot of that starts in the division, obviously, with Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern. But, you know, to have the crossover over Ohio State, hopefully TCF Bank Stadium is full. Hopefully everybody can go. Because um, that was the, the one thing, truthfully, that was the biggest buzzkill about last year was there was so much momentum off of two years ago. And the first sellouts in a while, college game day, um, New Year's Day bowl victory, like all, the, all those pieces coming back. Fans were into it like they've never been in my time covering the team. The city was into it like they've never been in my time covering the team. So to have that kind of stop because of the pandemic is unfortunate. And now they've got to build it back up. But the Ohio State one to start off the season is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And if it's full, it'll be interesting. C.J. Stroud is very talented, but he's a young kid. And we've seen crazier stuff happen on the road and a first start for sure. a freshman like that. So I'm interested for that game. But I want to shift back to the 2019 season. We've been kind of mentioning it a lot. A top 10 team in Minnesota, they made a real run at being a Big Ten college ball playoff contender what was different about that team, just in terms of covering it? What clicked and made this team kind of break through and be so successful? Well, I think, I mean, they were good on both sides of the ball. I mean, that's, you know, we t- we've we mentioned the defense. You know, there's I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. There's Antoine Winfield, Kamal Martin, Carter Coughlin, Chris Williamson. You know, just those guys right there were all in the NFL last year and playing significant roles, especially Antoine yeah. Winfield. Kamal Martin was hurt, but he was – you know, tracking to be a starter for the Green Bay Packers. Um, they just, you know, they started slow. You know, they, they needed uh, some miracles to win in the non-conference. You know, they, they went out to Fresno and won that game in overtime. They converted a fourth and 13 to tie the game you know, late. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell uh, made an unbelievable catch off an unbelievable t- uh, Tanner Morgan throw. Antoine Winfield Jr. got an interception in overtime that kind of sealed it. So that was out there. Um, in the middle of the night, basically, they got that one. And also, need, they needed a, a third and 30 to convert down in the final two minutes to beat Georgia Southern at home. Like, And they got it, and they ended up winning. Tyler Johnson caught it. But what changed was the Purdue game that year. They went on the road to Purdue, and there's been a little mini rivalry because they came in the first year, and Jeff Brom started off really well at Purdue. You know, he beat Ohio State that year. Yeah. Um, 
And everybody was like, wow, this is, you know, Purdue's on the way. Now we've seen they they were decimated with injuries. You know, obviously Rondale Moore got hurt a lot. That killed them. But they went to Purdue, and Tanner Morgan was incredible. And an offense that had basically just been trying to run the ball and, and not do much turned into this offense that we've never seen before with deep receiving threats and quick strikes and bombs. And it was incredible to watch. Tanner was 21 to 22 that day. And from that point on, Zach, like that was the offense. Like that was, it was, it was running slants over the middle. It was read option. It was running the ball and they just had everything going. And it was, you know, PJ doesn't believe in momentum. Like he doesn't think it's a thing which I've always, you know, joked with them about. I'm like, that makes no sense because it's like <laughs> they they had momentum. I mean, they, they yeah. got Purdue and then they beat Nebraska and then they beat Illinois and the offense is putting 40 to 50 points up and the defense is stopping everybody. And it all came to a head in that Penn State game, you know, that was you know, nationally televised, sold out crowd, maroon out, all of those things. And, and you saw, I mean, both sides made huge plays. Winfield had a couple of picks. Tyler Johnson had a touchdown. Bateman scored right away. Um, it just, everything clicked, everything was moving. It was what I noticed and and we're a real a town that's really slow to pick up on when something's happening. Cause there's a lot of things going on here. Like it's just right. not all college football all the time. And I remember about October, middle of October, I was like, this is different. Like this, the way these guys play, how happy they are for each other. Like when someone scored a touchdown, like everybody was out on the field. It didn't matter who, like they, they were that cliched collective group that just wanted to win and just, you know, loved playing with each other. And it was just, it was a perfect culture team. It obviously didn't end exactly how they wanted. They had Wisconsin at home with a Rose Bowl trip on the line, college game day there, everything. They get out to a 7-0 lead in Wisconsin, you know, just beat them that day. I mean, Wisconsin reminded people who the bullies of the West were that day. But it was just, the offense was something, like I said before, we've never seen before. And their defense, you know, had some great upperclassmen, some guys that grew up here that always grew up having those moments for Minnesota. And basically almost everything clicked beautifully, and then it was capped off. You know, I was thinking about that Outback Bowl. I was like, you know, it's a nice reward. They've never been, you know, they've been to the Capital One Bowl, but, you know, they kind of backed their way into that five or six years ago. They were eight and five, and they just kind of got picked there. You know how the bowl selection goes. Felt like they earned the Outback Bowl. So I felt like, Hey, it's good reward, not the Rose Bowl, but people are going to go to Florida. We're going to have a good time. Auburn's really good. We'll see what happens. And everybody that went down there had the complete opposite mindset that I did. The fans that went down there, there was 20,000 of them. They're like, no, we're here to win, dude. And the, go- <laughs> the Gophers obviously were too because they played yeah. great. And and that's you know one of the best days they've had. So it was just um, – it was a great ride. It was a lot of fun. Um, what I always remember is the crowds, you know, the, the, the sellout against Penn state, the sellout against Wisconsin. And then what happened, you know, just, you know, new year's Eve in Tampa and then subsequently at Raymond James stadium, just how much the people got into it and got behind it is something I'll never, ever forget. Yeah. And that's kind of where I want to go to next. I want to shift to the environment of Minneapolis, my most hated city. I hate this place. I was there for the final four with Auburn. I just can't, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't get over Minnesota beating us and then having to go to the city. It's cold and to happen to have what happened happen. So I'm not a huge fan of Minneapolis to That's be completely right. honest with I you, <laughs> but I want to get to a game. I haven't been to a, a TCF bank stadium game. What makes the stadium so unique on game days? You mentioned the Penn state game. I remember watching that game on TV being like, that looks like a game I want to be at. That looks like a national top 25 environment that I need to go to. What changed and what makes this place so special? 
Well, it's we're a front-running town, and college <laughs> college coaches have a tough time with that. You know, we're very we're not a very positive fan base. We've been talking about this with um, you know the basketball jobs you know, now open. Richard Patino's going over to New Mexico. And so there's always a lot of discussion about, like, I go, you know, I go all around the Big Ten, obviously, with the team. So I see the traditions and the fan bases and I read the coverage from other towns. And and it's just it's not a traditional college environment. So it's very difficult to gain any traction. And because there hasn't been a lot of championship success, no one ever really wants to believe it, you know, that what they're seeing is real. So it really takes it really takes a lot, you know. But once we get in and we get our hooks in. Like, we go crazy. You saw that in the Penn State game. And what I always remember about that, they, they had, the Gophers had a bye week leading into that, which helped them because they needed, you know, not that your listeners care, but attendance has been an issue here for a long time. And they've got the new stadium, which is great, but, our, you know, the ticket prices have been a thing forever. Personal seat licenses, people didn't understand those here. You know, and I'm trying to tell people, like, they're happening all over the place. That's, that's the reality yeah. of college sports. Like, but we don't think that way as a city. Like it just it hadn't been in our psyche. So when things change, people go, whoa, what's this? And we're raising prices now. And anyway, so they had some work to do to sell the tickets. And so luckily they had a week off to kind of get that done. And I'll never forget walking in from the pregame show and every seat was filled before the game. And everybody was wearing maroon and they had their gold hats because it was like a maroon and gold out type thing. And I was just like, okay, like this is real. Like even two weeks before, I think they played Maryland. And they're undefeated at this point, and they're playing great, and the attendance is low. I mean, it's just there's not a lot of people that had bought in at that point. Um, but they bought in for that Penn State game, and it was as cool of, of an environment that I've ever been in, and I've been in all of them in the Big Ten. It was up to par with every single one that you would want to mention, and that's what PJ's dreams are for every Saturday around here. you know. And that's what it should be in, in a college. You know, That's what college football is. It's about the – the camaraderie and the traditions and the people and the fans. That's what makes it special. Um, here, it's just we're, su- we're such a different city. And college coaches come in here, and I think it shocks them at first. Like, what do you mean? I'm 6-0. and oh. why, 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 why isn't everything going great? It's like, because we're, we're, a, we're a battered people, man. We're a bruised. Because <laughs> you know, we've had heartbreaks with the Vikings. We've had heartbreaks with the Timberwolves. We've had heartbreaks with the Wild. We had the Minnesota North Stars leave us to go to Dallas like, PJ always talks about that. He says, we got to stop thinking like that. We got to think forward. And I always say, with all due respect, PJ, you've been here five years. Some of us have been here forever. Like we got a lot of scars that we're trying to, you know, so, uh, but I appreciate that about him is that he is trying to change the, the, the mindset of people. And, and he did that year. I mean, he got people right. to believe in it and they showed up, they showed out college game day. You know, if people remember it was cold. I mean, it's Thanksgiving week basically here. It's snowing. It's sleeting. It's not fun. It's not, it's not, you know, we say people, Minnesotans say we like the cold. I, I don't, I'm born and bred here. I hate it too. There's snow on the ground right now. It's the you know middle of March. It's brutal. Um, and the game day crowd was incredible. Uh, that game obviously in the snow w- w- against Wisconsin was sold out. Like the people showed out for it. It's just, we're very slow to, to buy in and believe. But once we do like, you got us. You can hook us in, and that's what that's what PJ did two years ago. That's what those Gophers did two years ago. And hopefully, even with the, this last gap year where nobody could go, hopefully they build upon that this year. 
I'm sure they will. And I think it's going to go one of two ways. Either people are going to be real scared to go because of COVID. They're worried. Or those fans are going to be like, listen, I had a year off. I yeah. want to go to a game. So we're going to sell everything out. But last question here before I let you go, man. You've been covering the Golden Gophers, this area, for a while now. You've seen some incredible teams, games, moments. What has been your favorite, most memorable moment since you've been at Minnesota? Yeah, there's a few. Um, obviously, the Penn State game was unbelievable. Yeah, the the interception at the end, you know, beating a top five team, you know, just that was incredible. I mentioned the fans. I mean, that that to me was the story of two years ago. The people were incredible, how they got behind the team. But there's been a lot of good moments. You know, there's been, you know, I think about, you know, the Citrus Bowl year that I talked about, you know, they, you know, um, you know, beating Iowa handily. That's a big one around here. Um, and beating Nebraska in, you know, Jerry Kills, you know, 2013, 2014, you know, that was kind of a, a proving ground of like, okay, Coach Kills turning things around a little bit. You know, they, they manhandled Nebraska here and then went down in Lincoln where they hadn't won in 60 years or whatever it was. And just remembering that day was special. Um, that whole 2015 year, I think it was, 2014, 2015 was special. And, you know, being at Camp Randall three years ago now, I guess it was, when they beat Wisconsin for the first time since 2003, just watch because there had been, you know, for people that – weren't familiar even they hadn't beaten wisconsin literally since 2003 it's their biggest rival paul bunyan's axe there are teenagers in wisconsin that didn't know life without it right like it was it was <laughs> right. like this big thing and and they had a couple of close you know they had two games in wisconsin in the last decade where they led at halftime one of them was to go to indianapolis actually that citrus bowl year and they were up at halftime when wisconsin came back and beat them it was just always something that wisconsin was doing um the quarterback that you know hadn't played well all year, all of a sudden would throw three touchdowns to a tight end that we'd never heard of, right? It was just every team's got one of those rivals, right, yeah. where this stupid stuff happens. And so to wrap up 2018, you know, they're five and six. Most people think, okay, it's, it's the Wisconsin game. Here it comes. It's the annual loss to the Badgers, and we just kind of go on our way. And not only did they beat Wisconsin, uh, they beat them on the road for the first time since 1994, and they dominate them. I mean, they they, right. they they run back a punt right at the end of the first half to go up 17-3. And I'll be honest, and I've talked about it a lot, I'm still thinking at halftime, well, I've been here before. Gophers have been in this situation before, <laughs> and that goes back to what I was saying before. Like, PJ, like, stop thinking like that. And not only did they, you know, they played better in the second half and went on a 15-play drive to basically ice the thing. They ended up missing the field goal, but it didn't matter because they took nine minutes off or whatever. So – to have Camp Randall basically empty, except for just the Gopher fans that, for whatever the reason, made the trip. Because this isn't a great Gopher team we're talking about. It's a six, a five and six team going to Wisconsin where they haven't won in twenty plus years. Like you're probably just going there because you bought tickets and you want to go. Like you have no expectation probably that you're winning the game. But to be there with those people, the three, four, five thousand people, whatever it was, to get the axe back for the first time and just going back to campus and having people show up at midnight on campus, you know, it was unbelievable so that's one of them beating michigan in 2013 jerry kill uh, was another one for for a number of different reasons there's been a lot been a lot of cool ones um that i've been lucky enough to just be on the field for and and be kind of behind the scenes for it's been been a lot of fun yeah and it's on the upswing man i'm excited to see where minnesota goes from here as long as pj flex there i think minnesota is going to be on the up on the upswing and they're going to be big 10 contenders and uh, until, you know, he t- goes elsewhere or something like that. But 
man, I appreciate you joining me. This was a blast. Minnesota was one of the programs when we started this thing that I was like, we got to get someone on for Minnesota. This is one that I have to talk about. So where can our fans find you radio shows, anything like that? Where can our, what do you want to plug to our listeners? Uh, I mean, if you want to follow me, it's at JGKFAN. Very easy. It's my initials and it's my, uh, where I work. KFAN Radio. So I do an afternoon drive show here in the Twin Cities from 3 to 6.30. KFAN.com is where. But, yeah, JGKFAN, um, do go for podcasts, do college football podcasts, kind of like you do, Zach. And, um, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff, really, all kinds of stuff. But if you're in a Big Ten school and you see me on the field, say hi, because uh, the, uh, the fans are the best part of this whole thing. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get some in there. Hopefully I can make it up to Minnesota for a game. I, I just want to get to as many stadiums this year as possible. I hated taking off last year and not yeah. getting to go yeah. to any after. I had a streak of like Auburn games from like 2014 or something like that that I had to break last year because I couldn't get to a game. But yeah. I, pre- I appreciate it, man. I definitely looking forward to have you back on. If I make it up to Minnesota, I'll definitely be reaching out. Anytime and please do. Thanks for having me, Zach. I, I had a good time. Absolutely, man. But, guys, that is a wrap on this episode. We'll be back next week with some more Big Ten and 31 Days episodes. You all know the two-minute drill Monday through Fridays on our YouTube channel as well. But for myself, for Justin, and for the Blue Bloods, we are out.